pulpit anymore, but it's just not my style. <laughs> we live in a society where importance is often equated with ability. Yep. Uh, for instance, then LeBron James is so important in the world because he's a good basketball And because of that, then, we are satisfied with LeBron James being a role model for our children. I'm not, I don't know LeBron James. I don't know him. I do know that he's still married to his high school girlfriend. I do know that he's a, he's a good father to his children. I, I just, I don't know anything else about him. But I'm not satisfied with someone else being a role model for my children. Right. 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 Because I don't know them. Right. You can ask my son in all of our depths of our conversations. My, my son would often tell me, but dad, they're my friends. And I'm like, here you are in trouble and can't none of them be found. Where are they? Where are all those friends? He'll tell you. They're nowhere to be found. Guess who's here? Me. And I'm not as much as being your, interested in being your friend as I am being your father. But I, I, I want that to, to declare to you that there is a person in this world that, ha that you have incredible value to. And that's me. We live in a world where, where self-worth equals achievement. Sorry to say that mindset has crept into our homes. And then if our children's not the valedictorian in school, then maybe someone else was better than them. My daughter was an incredible, she has a photographic memory. She took four years of piano lessons in one year. And I remember picking her up from the piano teacher, his name was Bill. And, and he literally looked at us one evening and said, don't bring her back. I can't teach her anything else. She just needs to play. I mean, the, the goal here is not to be a, a orchestra of solo pianos. The goal here is to play the piano and worship God. She needs to do that. She, she had a 4.1 grade point average. She never brought a book home from school. She never studied a day in her life. She had this photographic memory. She could read something once, see it once, and, and, and throw it away. She would often read sheet music and play the song one time, throw that song away, and go, hey, Dad, watch what I can do with this song. She could convert chords, and I, I don't know. I don't understand that stuff. But bless her heart. She's listening. She will. No, she won't. It's, all, it's not a line. You're on. Oh, I'm being up. <laughs> I used to talk to her all the time about common sense. And I used to say, sweetheart, book sense is going to get you a job, and common sense is going to help you keep it. My son was totally opposite. School was not his thing. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't enjoy reading. He didn't enjoy doing homework. He just did not. His grades were not her grades. Hello, somebody. His grades were not her grades. But you could give my son something to do with his hands. He could do it. He'd figure it out. I remember a prophet came from England and laid hands on him one time and said, the Lord has said, you are a clever young lad. And I was like, 
you got no idea. <laughs> they were not equal as children when it came to that issue. I loved them the same, therefore I treated them different. I do not want them to live in a world where their father sees significance as performance or importance as ability or self. I don't want the children in this church to live that way. In the way he should go. Uniquely tailor what we do and how we raise each child to who they are. Parents, do your kids know that there's nothing they can do to be more loved because they are already loved with a measureless love? They need to know that. There's nothing they can do to be more accepted. There's nothing they can do to be more embraced because they already are. There's nothing they can do to be more valued because they already are. This will help you, parents, in times when you have to speak correction. Because then your correction doesn't go to value. That's right. Oh, come on, parents. If you use value to correct your children, you are punishing them. And punishment never corrects a wrong. It only makes people pay. Correction changes direction. Oh, my word. There are consequences, yes. I believe in those. But conveying to our children they are a blessing and not a burden is an incredible uh, thing to do for a young person today. The second thing you need to do to convey a sense of commitment to them is is by modeling unconditional love and committing that to them, communicating that to them. Nothing's going to alienate children more than making them work for something that should be given to them freely. That's right. Right. Y'all know the devil didn't want this sermon out. If you're raising a child on conditional love, you're going to raise a child that's going to turn out one of two ways. They're either going to be a workaholic who never feels adequate, or they're going to be a quitter who just gives up on everything because they can't please mom and dad, and so why even try? There's no middle ground. Come on. Well, Pastor Don, am I, aren't I supposed to motivate my children? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Pastor Don, aren't I supposed to encourage them to excellence? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Pastor Don, don't I want them to reach their full potential? You better believe it. The key is, what are you using to motivate them as parents? Yeah. You can never motivate children based on love. That must be given freely. You never motivate on how they compare to others. I wish you were more like your brother. Why can't you be more like your sister? Hello, somebody. Come on. Come on. We've all had it said to us, and we've all said it. Oh, it's so heavy, that's why you're quiet. I know. Come on. Preaching is good. It's either amen or oh me, and it's okay. You can say the one. Come on. 
I want to motivate our young people in our church. I want to motivate our young people based on what's best for them. Listen to me, parents. You can be proud of your child even if you're displeased with them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure you can. And there's nothing wrong with letting them know that in this moment, I am not pleased. But that has nothing to do with I love you. It has everything to do with the way we're living and the choices we're making. And, and let me walk you with you through this. Ask yourself right now, do my children know they're blessed? Do my children know they're not a burden? When I talk to them, grandparents, come on. Come on. Can you talk to your grandkids? Hey, oftentimes a grandparent's voice is the softest voice in a grandchild's life. But not always. Not always. Do our children know they're not a burden? How do we declare that to them every day? How do we share that with them every day? You are not a burden, and of all my blessings, there you are. Do they, do they know they're loved unconditionally and that there's nothing they can do or should have to do to earn that? That's commitment, and it's the first thing strong families have in common. I will go after you. I will pursue you. I remember sitting on my front porch complaining about my son. And he, he knows all this. Pray. Lord. Hello, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. Bring him home. I want to be with him. Just bring him back home. And I remember the Lord specifically spoke to me and said, why don't you go to him? That's a good idea, Lord. Of course it is. <laughs> Where can I go and be with him? I'm old. I don't belong in the gym, but he's there, and he loves it. And so I told my wife, I said, the Lord has spoken to me. And she said, he has? Yeah, I'm going to need money for a gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you talking about? You're old. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go. And, and I've enjoyed those mornings, those days. You know, just being together. It's incredible the conversation you can have. Just that, no agenda, just being together. Commitment is about that. It's, it's the first thing. I want to be with you. I want you to understand who I am and who I want to be. A family that will last, secondly, is a, is a family of strong, strong, strong. People are texting me right now during the session. My phone is vibrating. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, communion. Time together. That's a, that's a good thing. That's a thing that strong families have. In a survey of 1,500 kids, uh, they were asked, what makes family happy? 1,500 kids. They didn't ask the parents. They asked the kids. 90% of that survey had the same answer. It had nothing to do with a big house or lots of money. It had everything to do with time. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, amen. And I, and, and I can hear you. Are we talking quality time or quantity time, Pastor? I'm talking both. That's right. Yeah. One of the biggest false bills of goods that we have been sold today in these days, it doesn't matter how much time you spend with them, just as long as it's quality time. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. The very fact that you're only interested in how brief you can make this declares the amount of quality you intend for it to be. It does matter. That's why when my wife and I came back from sabbatical, we sat down with the eldership team. It was their, their challenge to us while we were gone last year was to come back and tell us what God is speaking to you. And we came back and said, God said, you spent the last 15 years building. I want you to spend the next 15 years giving it away. And so in that time, I want you to spend a lot of time with young people. Because there's some, there's some adults who are just committed to the merry-go-round, stupid. <laughs> I want you to get to the kids before they get on the thing. We shared that with the eldership team and said, absolutely. And, and they said, absolutely. And every man to a man and his wife said, how do we make that happen? Yeah. So we came up with the idea of internship. We came up with the idea of, of young people's discipleship. We came up with the idea of incorporating more and more and more young people. Not that we don't believe that older people have gifts because we're incorporating all that too. But it's unique to who we are at Firm that our youth group sits up front because they want to. That's right. They're interested. They take notes. Middle schoolers are taking notes about how to be a parent. There's some parents who ain't taking notes. Because you're all offended about what I already said. You know, here's the neat thing. These young people, no matter what I say to them, they don't get offended at me. I said some pretty harsh things to Brenna. Amen. <laughs> he's still here. Every godly parent should know the answer to the following questions. Is your child shy or confident? Is your child a leader or a follower? Nothing wrong with either one. It's not like one is bad, one is negative or, or good. Like, what are your children's interests? Generally, what are they interested in? What do they want to be someday? Come on. Who is their best friend? Come on. I'm just telling you right now, parents, if you don't know who your child is calling their best friend, you need to get involved. That's yeah. right. That's right. Come on. Yep. Yep. Because that's very important. Yeah. <laughs> My grandfather had a donkey. I mean a donkey. A burrow. <laughs> like a donkey. <laughs> like that guy, if you tried to sit on it, it's like riding a two-by-four donkey. <laughs> Sitting on a two-by-four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That donkey, from the day he was weaned, was put into a cow pasture with cows. He never met a cow his whole life. 
I mean, a donkey his whole life. He'd never been around another donkey his whole life. Listen, all he had ever been around was cows. And the funniest thing you ever heard was a donkey try to bay like a cow. <laughs> had no idea. 20 years this, this thing had lived with cows. Be careful. Because yeah. obviously, who your kids consider their best friend, that is a declaration. They are saying, this person has influence in my life. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's my best friend. They have influence in my life. We like the same music. We like the same food. We like the same places. We like the same... You don't know who they're, who the strongest voice of influence is, and in you need to get involved. Right. And sometimes, who your children will call their best friend ain't somebody you should allow them to call their best friend. Some of you draw a blank at some of those questions, and, and the reason is because you're so busy. You're busy hauling them to baseball games or softball games or sports games. You're hauling them all these ways around. They're not spending time with you. No. You're not spending time with them. You're there, and thank God, I want you to be there. Be involved. <coughs> but busy times is not always influential times. Right. Come on. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. Yeah. Time. They spill up that way. And time with family says to them, I'm a priority. There's no substitute for time spent together. Right. Right. Yep. I walked in uh, to my one of my granddaughter's bedrooms when I was over at their house one day, and, and they were they were uh, she was on FaceTime call with a friend. They weren't talking to each other. The video was just on. Yeah. And I said, hey, you know, your phone's on. And she's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so and I are FaceTiming. I don't see them. <laughs> Where are they? And then the head pops in. And I'm like, you guys are talking to each other. Yeah, but puppy, we're just hanging out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought hanging out was like, here we go. <laughs> See, That's they crave story, it. Story, y'all. Make that up. I, it's true. My, see, they crave community and embrace so bad that they'll do it virtually. Yeah. They crave time so bad that they'll just turn the video on. It's an incredible thing. And that's what we need to do. We need to slow down and experience life together. We need to slow down and experience life together. Sometimes you can sacrifice the money, some of this money you think you need to make and give them everything they want. Make less money and give them more of your time. Yes. Amen. It's okay. Yep. That's communion. Lastly, here, I, the clock's off, so I have no idea what time it is back there. So, it doesn't matter. Just keep going. <laughs> Strong families, communication skills, and we talk about that a lot. And, and there's not a person in this room who's going to listen, uh, whatever, that, that, that doesn't need to continue to work on communication. We, we get super lazy. We do. 
yeah. in our communication skill. I often say that Southern people are so lazy at communicating, we can take a sentence like, excuse me, what did you say? And turn it into, huh? No <laughs> <laughs> time for all that mess. No time for all that mess. I, I, I don't have time to learn how to, how to pronounce feel all the way you guys pronounce it. <laughs> it can be F-I-L-L -L or F-E-E-L or P-H-I-L. <laughs> Phil feels sick when he fills a hole. I'm going to say it the same. Y'all not pay attention. Strong families, we all know it, and we would say a strong amen this morning. Our families have good communication skills. And we would all say amen to say, I need to work on it more. No, I do. I don't often know how. Communication is, is, is discussing the birth. It's opening the windows of your soul and sharing an individual. Uh, Doug had to do a, a Zig Zig. Was it a Zig Ziglar course? No, what course Dale, did you Dale have to Carnegie. do? Dale Carnegie. Well, oh, Dale Carnegie. It's a communication course, right? And uh, some of you are familiar with Dale Carnegie, but his work literally sent him to take a, and paid for it, to take a Dale Carnegie course to learn how to communicate with employees. Right? And we often do that a lot, and, and we talk about these particular things. When I was prayed for and ordained, uh, I remember Pastor Rick laid his hands on me, and, and this was his word. He said, Don, always strive to communicate the word of God in such a way that people can apply it to their lives. If you don't do that, you fail. You can use the words of hermeneutics, and people never get it. But if you communicate the word of God in such a way that people can readily apply it, you are doing what you're supposed to do. Zig Ziglar, I will tell this story. He, he tells a story of a lady who went to a pastor and because she wanted a divorce from her husband, asked for a meeting. And so the pastor looked at this lady and said, do you have grounds for a divorce? She's sitting there on his couch with her husband. And she says, oh yeah, we have three acres outside of town. You've been there. <laughs> and, the, and the pastor said, no, 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 you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand what I mean. Do you have a grudge? And she said, no, we have a carport. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is Zig Ziglar's story, not mine. <laughs> he said, no, 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 you're not, you're not getting my question. The husband's sitting there, he's quiet the whole time. He said, does your husband beat you up? She said, no, I get up at 6 a.m. an hour before him every day. <laughs> and so he says to her, no, ma'am, you're not getting it. Do you have a case? And she's like, no, we have a John Deere. <laughs> he said, no, ma'am, I'm trying to ask you, are you and your husband having troubles? And she said, oh, yes, lots of troubles. And he says, like what? She said, he can't communicate. <laughs> it's a joke. Who was a great communicator. Yeah. Come on, church. Let me, let me do something with you quickly here. You got time. Uh, my wife and I have done marriage counseling for a long time. And we're doing less and less of it because we're spending more and more time with young people. 
Uh, don't, don't feel like marriage counseling isn't happening. We've got eldership team, we've got marriage mentors who are under training right now. You might not know that some, there's some people who are taking certification courses right now to help us with that inside of our congregation. It's, it's a wonderful thing. The marriage counselors uh, say this. They say over half of all divorces result from poor communication. And, and, and if they could just have learned to talk, they could have saved their marriage and their family. Quickly, I want you to write some things down for me because I'm going to move through this. Seven quick things. You jot them down in the notes on your phone because I know your phone's got a backlit screen and you can see what you're doing. I call this the seven B's. B, apostrophe S, of good listening. And, and I always want to do better at it, and I find when I'm frustrated is when I do not so good at it. Um, number one, be observant. Here's good listening. You, you can listen with your eyes as much as you can with your ears. Somebody say amen. Sure you can. Um, Albert uh, Morovan from UCLA noted this. He's a researcher on communication, and he said this. He said, and, I, and I've since adapted this as to be true based on our working with people. He said that only 7% of your true feelings are conveyed by the actual words you speak. 7%. 38% by the way you say those words. But 55% of the way you communicate is conveyed through your body language. That's a non-verbal communication. Here's the truth for you. My wife is a lovely woman. I think she's a beautiful woman. My wife is in her 50s now. She looks like she's 25. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm excited. Good one. Good one. I'm excited. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're so wrong. Oh my gosh. I can walk into the house and look at my wife's facial expression and tell you what the rest of the evening is going to be. Amen. She's okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine, y'all. Be observant. When you're talking to people, stop thinking about what you're going to say next. Advantage. Mm. Yep. Slow down. Yep. The conversation does not have to be quick. Slow down. Be available. Next, be. Be available. This is especially true with teenagers, I think. I, I, I'm told and I believe that when a teen wants to talk, which is quite rare, you better be available. Yep. It, it might be midnight when they get home from a youth activity or a game or, or something that it, they've experienced, maybe an extracurricular thing they're doing after school and they get home late and, and they could be disappointed about what's going on and those types. You better be available yeah. and do it then. Yep. Yes. yes. That's right. They won't be the same person in the morning. That's right. yeah. It might be during your favorite TV program or your favorite football game. Or turn it off. That's right. Be available. That's right. Any young person approaches you in this world today and needs you to be available, my encouragement to you is stop what you are doing. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And be available. Yep. I guarantee you nothing else is more important. Yep. Be considerate. Third B, be considerate. It's amazing how considerate we are 
to people we have no relationship whatsoever. A perfect stranger will say, excuse me. A perfect stranger will say, pardon me. But we can be so rude to those we know and love. If we talk to our boss at work the same way we talk to our children, we probably wouldn't be employed very long. Yeah, come on. I'm going to say this to you, but it's just time, Pastor Don. Be demonstrative! I love it! Be demonstrative. Like big hooks. Yeah. My, my, my grandkids walk in the house and, and, and there's a saying now. As soon as they walk in, what's, I'll, I'll shout it out. What is that smell? <laughs> and they thought they'd get me. They got tired of it. They were looking at me and I was picking on them every time. And finally one of them chipped up and thought they'd get me. They said, I said, what's that smell? And they said, you. And I'm like, oh, I thought it smelled good. <laughs> and they were like, be demonstrative. Be in their life. Gary Small, not just for ladies, but uh, you know, women need non-sexual hoping like a piece of meat. He says this, he said, women need eight touches per day. Now some of you guys are gonna get up in the morning and go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Take it from me, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> People want to be touched in a deep way. Not just ladies, children. This is why the COVID thing is such a struggle. This is why we're wrestling with it. Because we love embrace. We love to be physically touched. And and I get it. Right? And, and, And that's for another day. But be wise. The next B. Be wise. Learn to attack the problem, not the person. Listen to me. Children, especially teenagers, are going to make some silly decisions. Sometimes people get beyond the teenage years and still teenage decisions. Oh, boy. Sometimes. We have to attack the problem, not the person. Now the struggle is the person is always attached to the problem. But remember, God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. And and we have to look past all of that to touch people. And and your teenager wants that, right? Ladies, nagging's not communicating. (laughs) Not one man said amen. Bunch of cowards, you left me out there all alone. (laughs) (laughs) They left me in the dark! (laughs) (laughs) Bringing up the past is never wise. Amen. Joke. Guy says to me, every time my wife and I fight, she's historical. (laughs) You mean hysterical? No. Historical. She always brings up the past. <laughs> Guys, do it to you. Oh my God. Don't be historical. Thank God Jesus is not historical with you. Amen. Yeah. We 
We never get anywhere by bringing up the past. Right. It keeps us from moving into the future. And parents, if that's all you do in your children's life is remind them of the mistakes of the past, you are hindering their future. Let's learn from the past. Let's attack that problem and build on it. Remember, Nehemiah rebuilt walls with burnt stones, cracked stones. Hello, Saman. But he still rebuilt the wall. Come on, church. Come on. Our, our children's decisions may cause them to walk through harm or fire or trouble. That doesn't mean we still aren't called to be builders. Yeah. Every opportunity, parent, is an opportunity to lead. Amen. Every situation is an opportunity to build. Come on, church. Every single one of them. Be wise. Be wise. And sometimes you need to take some time. Can't deal with you right now. But I can here. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to breathe into this and pray. Posture my heart. Be an example. Parents, it's a cold, hard fact. And I hope we're not 90 years old before we realize this. We don't get what we want. We get what we are. That's right. If people live out models, parents are first models. Children live those out. Mm -hmm. I walk like my dad sometimes. And my wife says, please don't do that. <laughs> you do a few other things. Sometimes I do some things on purpose just to get to her. And she's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But I learned to walk by watching my dad. Like imitation is something that's a part of who we are because it's the way we learn. And let me, let me prove this to you. The percentage of American teens who say they want to be like their parents, 39. Children who see physical violence between their parents are six times more likely to commit physical violence with their own spouse. That's right. Those children who are hit out of uh, 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 an unjust anger by their parents as teenagers are 12 times more likely to abuse their spouse. I'm just going to tell you something right now, uh, parents. If, if by the time your children are teenagers, you're still resulting to hitting them, to teaching them, you, you have a teaching problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm not against corporal punishment. My dad believes in it. But by the time these kids reach this age, they're processing the world around them in their own way. Yeah. And, and I'm not advocating, uh, listen, you, people are going to twist it, I know, so there's no need to spend any time on it. I'm just saying, if I want my kids to be mature, I need to treat them with maturity. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Sit down here and let's talk about this. To hear your heart, because I want to walk these seven B's out. Be an example. We don't get what we want, we get what we are. Be courageous last. The main reason we don't communicate is fear. You want to tell you what that is? We're simply afraid. We're simply afraid 
of what we might hear. We're afraid to make ourselves vulnerable, so instead we blurt out how it's going to be. And they can like it or lump it. And I'm the world's worst at that. Strong families have a sense of commitment. They have communion and spending time together. And they have good communication and expressing themselves very well. During worship, Lynette came up to me. She's not going to have a mic, so you're going to have to. And she said, I just feel like this word from the Lord is being deposited right now. And so I said to her, let's hold that to the end of the message. And I'll tell you why. Because even when I sent the notes out on Thursday, I still wasn't sure how it would close the sermon. And so just waiting on the Lord, I feel like it's good. And, and Lynette, if you can remember that, would you come and share it? Right, you have to perk your ears up here. Um, I just kept thinking about people that come to a place in their marriages and families where they just feel stuck. And James 1, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. And I don't think that it's really, I think it's a great illustration right now that it is dark in this room. Because it's so easy to look around at what other people are doing or what other people are saying to look for our wisdom. Look for your wisdom in God alone. He's the light. Amen. He's the answer. Um, do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And I feel like the Lord would say to us today that in humility... We are to come to him, and he is ready, right? Supernatural. Um, ah. He wants to release supernatural strategies yeah. into your home, mm -hmm. into your marriages, as parents. Mm -hmm. And I saw him, I saw, I saw an old safe, a very <laughs> tall safe, and it was dark, it was dusty, it was back in a closet, and I could see that the door was being opened slowly. But that God is saying, I am opening up a new phase of supernatural strategies that we can take hold of in our homes. But we cannot be looking to the right or to the left of what others are saying, what the world is saying to do. We have to have our eyes on the Lord alone and use his supernatural strategies. Amen. Stand with me in this place. There's a prophetic word that was given to us that the ministry of Firm Foundation Ministries would only be as strong and effective to the point that we took care of kids. We talk about a lot. Do you think that when Anne Renee gets up and asks for volunteers, it's because we need help with a babysitting time? But I promise you that what Anne Renee and her team puts together for our kids when they're in children's church or Sunday school has nothing to do with babysitting. You see the stuff your kids bring home, it's strategic. And they're investing. And so what we're doing is we're asking you to do a couple things. Number one, walk in the prophetic word. There's only one way that prophecy is fulfilled, and that's to walk in it. And God has spoken to us. And we can't wait till they're this age. Hello, somebody. We cannot wait. So they're teenagers. We, we want to start, man, 
you know, toddler age. We want to start little bitty. We want them embracing who they are. We want to watch them watch us worship. We want to invest in them in every way. So there's there's a couple of things to that. You get involved uh, by letting your kids see you serving and getting involved with them in the children's time and those type of things. Secondly, you get to serve each other. If everybody takes a Sunday or two, I mean, it's one Sunday a year. Babysit, this is my Sunday to serve and invest. That's a great thing. And I get to help fulfill the prophecy that God spoke to us. And, and, and I get to embrace what Pastor Don and the elders are embracing when they say, this next 15 years is crucial Amen. to the ministry. And we want to make room for our young people. We want to make sure they're equipped to go through those things. And I encourage you start at home, parents. If you haven't done it right to this point, I guarantee you those little bitty people in your house are the most forgiving people you will ever meet in your life. Amen. That's right. Amen. You can look them square in the eye and say, I am so sorry, but I'm going to do it different. Will you embrace that? And you watch what they'll do. They'll embrace it. They'll also call you a hypocrite if you are. And that's okay. A bunch of little prophets. <laughs> I want to encourage us to be strong. Yeah. Nehemiah said, fight for your families. Yeah. He didn't say fight for Jerusalem. Because yeah. yeah. he knew if we build strong families, Jerusalem's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had no idea that he was actually building the whole infrastructure that Jesus himself would one day walk down through and on in order to introduce himself to a lost and dying world as the Lamb of God. And you as a parent have no idea right now that what you are doing is building infrastructure into your children that Jesus can walk through one day and introduce himself to a lost and dying world. Amen. Be a Nehemiah in your children's lives. This is our encouragement when we rebuild foundations. Amen? Amen. And so as a parent, I want you to just raise your hand. Let me bless you today. Father, thank you for this word. God, I thank you that the devil might have turned electricity off, but it didn't turn the anointing off. That's right. That's right. The word of God is just as effective now as it would be if there are lights on in the building. That's right. God, we receive this word. Yeah. Right now, God, we want to embrace it. We ask you to let it be a seed planted in our soul and our spirit as parents to grow and produce the fruit that our children can harvest and reap and be the beneficiary of. Lord, we'll be the first to admit that we don't know what we're doing, but we're glad you do. Forgive us, Lord, when we haven't done it right. Encourage us, Lord, when we do. But most of all, as parents, Lord, I just pray right now that you help us carry your heart into the life of these children. God, we believe in them so much. They are a blessing to you. They are a blessing to us. They are a blessing to the church. They are a blessing. So God, we commit today to build on a strong foundation of Jesus Christ as parents. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, go on. I do believe there are some of you who have been longing for strategies.
also help with your kids. And I want you to receive that this morning, the word from the Lord, that he's heard your prayer, and he's going to begin to deposit some supernatural strategies into you. Amen? Turn around and tell another parent, be a Nehemiah. God bless you. Yeah, no. Oh,